right, thanks, uh, Scott Shannon. Thanks to all of you for being with us. Toll free, our number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, I This literally broke like seconds ago. It was brought to my attention by Sweet Baby James. You know, people that are actually connected to the Internet, not me, uh, any longer, apparently. Uh, but anyway, Joe Biden. All right, so he's speaking again, forgets what he's talking about. Then he tries to take credit for the Osama bin Laden raid. The problem is he opposed that raid. It's well documented he opposed that raid. Remember the mantra 2012, bin Laden's dead and GM is alive with the, the GM bailout. Let's play this tape. I'm, I'm hearing it like you for the first time. We went for two reasons. Uh-huh. One, One, two. Uh-huh. One one thousand. Bring Osama bin Laden to the gates of hell. Yeah. As I said at the time. The second reason was to eliminate Al Qaeda's capacity to deal with more attacks in the United States from that territory. We accomplished both of those objectives. You know, this is pretty bad. I can't joke about it anymore. And some people say, Hannity, you got to joke about it because otherwise you're going to drive yourself crazy. It's too serious at this point. And again, I did this at the start of yesterday's program. I'm not going to spend as much time on it today. But I'm just trying to make you aware of how dangerous this is for the world, not just the U.S. It's dangerous for us to have a president of the United States that's such a cognitive mess. You know, listen to the Chinese. Where we will take out U.S. Uh, military bases. We will take out Japan's military bases and support that they might provide the U.S. They're talking about reunification with Taiwan. We're their number one ally. They don't want, quote, reunification. That's basically a takeover. Just like Hong Kong didn't want the... Uh, oppressive, you know, crush down of, of the people in Hong Kong. That's happened too. And no consequences. You know, now it's, you know, we're at, America is receding and China is on the move and their territorial ambitions know no bounds here. And add to that China, Russia, giving the Iranian mullahs weapons to fight proxy wars as the number one state sponsor of terror. Notice that these these terrorist attacks are not by the Iranians are not happening in Russia and they're not happening in China. Just like Putin, you know, Joe gets asked, what are you going to do now with the latest cyber attack? Fifteen hundred new companies after Colonial Pipeline, after Joe hands Putin a list of 16 areas after the meat shut down in this country. I mean, this is really scary. This is a scary time. And the and the and these hostile regimes are emboldened right now and they see a weak American president and they're stating it all publicly. It's not good. It was really sad to see, you know, if we're going to pull out of Afghanistan, why why apparently Sky News has videos showing the Taliban seizing abandoned U.S. bases and, quote, a treasure trove, according to Zero Hedge, of weapons and ammo. 
and then trucks, and then, and we left it all there. Why wasn't there some logistical planning to get this stuff out of there? Joe's had six months to do it. Joe Biden had nothing to do with the bin Laden raid. Nothing. He was against it. By the way, updates on the issue of election reform. Hang on one second. According to various accounts, officials involved in it, Biden was one of the two main skeptics of the intelligence suggesting that bin Laden was in um, Pakistan at the time. And he publicly even stated that he said, don't go until more intelligence was gathered. Okay, that pretty much puts that to rest. We've known that, though, for a long time. You know, what the update you, why am I telling you that state legislatures now matter as much as the people in Washington? Because we need election integrity measures. You know, the fact that Joe Biden gets to call Georgia's new inclusive and and open voting laws and reform, you know, where his state is the most restrictive, Jim Crow 2.0, is, it is beyond offensive. And I don't think anyone but us have really called them out on it every day. But a federal judge now has weighed in in favor of Georgia's new election law. I would urge the, the legislature in Georgia to do one other thing, and that would be to add signature verification to the new voting law. I think that would be an important step. The federal judge today refusing to block Georgia's new election integrity law from taking effect, saying that a liberal group's request for a preliminary injunction failed to show imminent constitutional harm that would disrupt upcoming elections in the state. Well, you have 17 days early in-person voting. You have drop boxes in every district available. There's no early voting in, in the state of Delaware. No drop boxes in Delaware. You can, you can get a mail-in ballot. You don't need a reason in Georgia. You just need a, an ID. In Delaware, you need to provide a reason and an ID. And it's outrageous what goes on here. Anyway, so the court was not persuaded by the argument. Remember, this whole thing got started, and, and now we've discovered, apparently with this audit going on in Georgia, that all the chain of custody documentation is missing. Well, that doesn't instill confidence and integrity in our election results, does it? Especially when you have a close election. Pennsylvania GOP state senator has announced an investigation. They're doing their audit. They're now changing their laws in Pennsylvania. They're doing the same in Arizona. They're doing the same in Wisconsin. I believe they're doing it in Michigan as well. Now is the time to do it. That's got to get done. Now, on to the economy I mean, none of these numbers, none of what Joe's telling you is really truthful or any good. For the month of May, U.S. job openings hit a record 9.2 million. Businesses cannot find enough workers to fill these positions. They can't they can't find them. They don't know where they don't know where the workers are. I mean, that's a record high. Nine point two million. Uh, look at the price of everything. Buck twenty-five more per gallon per gasoline at filling your tank, heating and cooling your home. But it's also every product you buy, and frankly, every service that maybe is provided to you, because it costs more to deliver it. That means it costs more. They're not, they're not going to take a lower profit as a result. No, they're going to pass that on to the consumer. That would be you. That would be a tax. And things are even so bad that, you know, for example, if you have patio furniture, huh, there's a shortage. 
probably one way right now to make money is if you if you're willing to live without patio furniture for a year, you can buy it next year and you can probably sell your patio furniture for more than you paid for it. If you feel like doing it, maybe you want to upgrade it next year or something. And, and meanwhile, Biden is out there, did another you know, verbal gap, misquoting one of President Reagan's most famous campaign ads during a speech uh, earlier today while promoting the potential economic benefits of his two-pronged spending and infrastructure-related projects. And he goes on to say, you know, swapping out mourning in America for an America mourning. I mean, it's just a, so embarrassing. It's getting to the point it's so embarrassing. I can't even joke about it anymore. I can't. I mean, for a while, I'd figure oh, I'll make light of it and but it's just not funny. Then you add to the high cost of energy, the high cost of every good and service that you use. Then you look at people not wanting to go back to work. Then you look at shortages. You know, we're paying record high prices for meat, record high prices for energy, record high prices for lumber. Basically, everything that we want to consume and buy costing more. And then Biden, who said, well, if you're not making more than $400,000 a year, you're not going to... You're not going to be taxed. Well, that there's a lot of assumptions there. First of all, it was $200,000 per person, $400,000 for couples. So let's start, start there, that it's half of what he said. Biden now plans to raise taxes on corporations. How many more times do we need to go over the my speech about corporations? Don't pass taxes. Uh, don't pay taxes. They pass them on to you, the consumer. But Biden's plans, thankfully... CNBC is even reporting to raise taxes on corporations and, quote, wealthy Americans are losing momentum. And it should. It's not going to help the economy. It's not. Now, one frightening development, I don't know, Jonathan Turley pointed out in a pretty interesting Zero Hedge article that there is a sharp rise in support for socialism among young people in America. It doesn't surprise me. The famous Churchill saying, you know, if you're 20 and not a liberal, you don't have a heart. If you're 40 and, and not a conservative, you don't have a brain. But anyway, Axios does this poll. 57% of Americans, thankfully, still have a favorable view of capitalism. There's never been a system designed that has produced more wealth, that has advanced the human condition more than liberty, freedom, capitalism, and our Constitution. No, we're not a perfect country. But we've advanced the human condition using our freedom. More recently, giving our the vaccine away for free to countries. The scary part is, if you're between the ages of 18 and 34, they're evenly split on negative and positive views of capitalism. 49%, I believe, are 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 like capitalism. 46% don't. Well, they. they, they what is their point of reference, though? Because I doubt they are thinking about, well, the government, they promise law and order. They're failing miserably, especially in, in blue states and blue cities. Obamacare, keep your doctor plan and save money. The, all those promises were a disaster. Millions lost doctors and plans, and, and we're all paying about 250% more. Um, it's I've, There's always been this, this odd appeal that government is going to, well, we'll take care of your child care and early child education and now college and loan forgiveness and guaranteed jobs and guaranteed wages and guaranteed health care and guaranteed retirement and guaranteed healthy food. Well, who's going to pay for all of that? The history of socialism. We had a caller yesterday, and I thought about it after the show. 
that maybe I should do a a summary of my chapter in Live Free or Die that socialism and its history of failure for young people. And maybe I should do it and summarize it and explain it because whatever manifestation, name, form it's taken on, it always results in the same thing, failure. And that is false promises, false hope, things that they never were ever going to be fulfilled, then more poverty, and then a loss of freedom. Just it's a matter of calculating how much freedom you lost in the name of false government security. And I just would tell all of you that listen to this show, and this is, this is me, your friend, offering you, I think, what is good advice. Don't ever think or depend on the government for your future. Just assume that Social Security won't be there. Just assume that if they means test it, they'll steal it after they had promised it to you. Just assume that their health care plan is going to suck into your retirement. Medicare, Social Security now headed for bankruptcy. And, and try and be as, as financially independent as possible. Money is freedom. The more money you can save, the more freedom you have. Now, in these times, it gets hard, doesn't it? It's much harder. Anyway, 800. I roll it along, Sean Hannity Show. I always shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, JustTheNews.com. Red State Cities far outpaced blue state cities in economic recovery from the pandemic. You know, it's now July 8th. In Florida, schools have been open since last August. Still, they're talking about keeping school closed, schools closed in some states. It's, this is insa- insanity. Finally, people are beginning to get it that the price of energy is directly related to Biden in spite of what they're saying. Oh, Donald Trump, no, Donald Trump didn't cause this. Donald Trump brought America energy independence for the first time in 75 years. Oh, Republicans, they're the ones that want to defund the police. No, that would be the Democrats that wouldn't call riots riots all summer long, but want to obsess about something that should never happen again, and that is January 6th. That's only because they can use it politically. All the people shot, all the people shot and killed, you don't know their names unless it can be politicized. That is a sad state of affairs. But now, seven-year high at gas price high. And what's Biden's answer? He's now pushing to end tax breaks for the fossil fuel companies when we're already feeling the pain at the pump. Okay, let's say that he ends the tax breaks. Who do you think is going to pay more? Do you think that these, these companies are going to eat that and that they're going to lower their profit margins or are they going to keep their same profit margins and raise the cost of a gallon of gasoline higher? It's not hard to figure out. Then the ripple effect. Now we're back to, oh, heating, cooling homes and everything you buy, every, everything you purchase, every service you have. I mean, it's seven-year gas price high. That's a big deal. And by the way, there was a question by uh, Congresswoman Stefanik. What is John Kerry doing as a climate czar? Well, he's pushing the Green New Deal. I can answer that one. Because, because that is every decision that they're making. Everything is infrastructure. Oh, uh, daycare is infrastructure. Uh, college forgiveness loans for, is infrastructure. Free college is infrastructure. Government guaranteed jobs and food. It's infrastructure. No, it's not. 
It's a big lie. It's all the new Green Deal socialism. 25 to the top of the hour. I, you know, I, I never thought Lindsey Graham made this statement that he said he's amazed that Biden's presidency has been so bad. I'm not amazed. I, I, in fairness, maybe I didn't think it would happen this quickly. But this is predictable failure. If, if you give up the lifeblood of, of everybody's economy in the world in pursuit of this radical new Green Deal socialism, and we saw the first attempts at this back when Obama was elected in, in 08 and then starting in 09, and the first attempts at socialized medicine, which Obamacare, um, and the false promises, false hope. I mean, it, it, it's all predictable. Socialism doesn't work. Its history of failure is right there in black and white. You can just read it. And maybe I need to do a, you know, four millennials, four generation Z version of uh, socialism and its history of failure. But it, from the border, what do we have? Chaos. Oh, my God. Afghanistan, China, Israel. You know, take it right on down the line. Russia. We're giving Putin a, a waiver for a pipeline while firing Americans simultaneously from building our own pipeline. How dumb is that? You know, getting rid of sanctions on the Iranian mullahs. What have they done to get rid of the sanctions? How much more money is Joe going to try and bribe the Iranians with? You know, China. Oh, anybody want to comment on the on the talk of reunification with Taiwan? It's not going to end well for the country or for the world. And we're beginning to see the effects of the economy, as I was just discussing. You know, six months, wall-to-wall, positive coverage from the media mob, big tech mob, Joe Biden's approval ratings underwater. It's sort of like the poll I mentioned earlier this week. 57% of Americans see don't think that Joe is in charge at the White House. 58% of independents, a third of Democrats. And then it raises the most important question. Well, if he's not in charge, who is in charge? Uh, just minor details not discussed by the media. But remember, those numbers are are that poll is a snapshot knowing that the media mob is not playing and not showing Joe's cognitive decline. He was in the candidate protection program. Now it's the presidential protection program. Anyway, Rasmussen poll indicating majority likely voters disapprove of Joe's job performance. And at 49% likely voters approve, 50 disapprove. He's underwater. Just the beginning. By the way, I'll tell you the person with the worst polling numbers is, is Kamala Harris. You know, look at the border. Look at energy. Look at China. Look at Russia. Look at Iran. Look at. Look at the price of energy. Look at every every single aspect. Look at even the, the handling of of COVID and the mixed messaging. You know, Congressman Ronnie Jackson, God bless him. He was the doctor for both Obama and and Trump in the White House. He's saying he's warning these cognitive abilities will cause the U.S. to pay a price. Joe's never going to take that cognitive test. Why would he take a cognitive test? You know, that's like saying, did you do cocaine before this show? You, come on, man. Are you a junkie? You might remember that moment. That went viral when Joe was asked. Because earlier he had said he'd take many cognitive tests. But please clarify specifically, have you taken a cognitive no, test? No, I haven't taken a test. 
No. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, oh, man. man. Oh, That's man. like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? huh? Are, are you a junkie? What are you, you're a junkie, huh? huh? Come on, man. He does have this tendency, even the mob and the media is recognizing that he has a quick temper. Hmm. Wonder what conditions that is often associated with. Um, you have a chapter of the group Black Lives Matter. Remember, we make a distinction after George Floyd, those protesting saying Black Lives Matter. Okay, that's very separate and apart from the group. The group on tape that was chanting, what do we want dead cops? When do we want them now? And pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon. But you have a chapter of BLM in Utah has called the American flag a symbol of hatred and only used by dumb racists. When we black Americans see that this flag, we know the person flying it is not safe to be around. Not safe to be around because you have an American flag. Black Lives Matter, Utah, wrote in a 4th of July post alongside an image of the stars and stripes. We see this flag and we know the person flying it is a racist. We see this flag. We know the person flying it lives in a different America than we do. When we see this flag, we question your intelligence. We know to avoid you. It is a symbol of hatred, wrote the chapter, which founder Lex Scott says is not part of the national BLM organization. Okay, just to get clarification there. Poll finds more than three quarters of the American people want more police. Why is it all of a sudden the the whole idea of Jim Crow 2.0 and Jim Clyburn's statement, which we discussed yesterday, he's reversing himself. I've, I've always supported voter ID. Not exactly. We we got your quote from the 4th of July of all days. But why are, why are Democrats now running away from H.R. 1? Why are they running away from election integrity and confidence? Like for the five measures, how could it even be controversial? Voter ID, signature verification, chain of custody controls Every party has as equal control to preserve the integrity of the ballots that they're not tampered with, et cetera. You know, clean voting rolls, updated voting rolls every election, which I think should be mandatory. Partisan observers should be able to observe the vote count start to finish. What's so bad about that? How is that unreasonable? Well, anyway, uh, the same thing with defunding the police. That's not going over well. That's why Jen Psaki, no, it's Republicans. Republicans wanted to defund the police. Well, everybody knows that's a lie because we know it's the left that has been pushing this, including Joe, when he said, yeah, I would redirect funds and Kamala Harris that was advertising for the bail fund in in Minneapolis after the police station was burning to the ground and, and the riots that took place last summer. Seven out of 10 Americans support increasing police department budgets. 77% said they would like additional police officers deployed on street patrols. 62% said that the police budget should be used to fund community policing. The demand for an increase in police officers and budgets, interesting, comes as Democrats have, let's see, they've defunded the police a billion dollars in New York, New York City. Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, Oregon. Then, of course, you have no bail laws like they have in New York. And then you have promises that if you're involved in the rioting, 
and the looting and the arson and pelting cops with bricks, rocks, bottles, and Molotov cocktails and worse. They're not going to prosecute you even if we have pictures of you doing it, videos of you doing it. And in San Francisco, as long as you don't steal $1,000, you now have a license to steal. Now, if you look at these cities in particular, crime is surging. It's happening mostly in Democratic-run states and cities. 58% increase in homicides in Democratic-run Atlanta. 533% increase in homicides in Democratic-run Portland. 37% in Democratic-run Philadelphia. Shootings up 54% Democratic-run New York City. 51%. In Democratic-run Los Angeles, 18% Democratic-run Chicago. They already had a pretty high, but still even higher than last year's record. And this now coming as polling is now showing that support for law enforcement matters. James Clyburn, who said, oh, I always supported voter ID, now admitted Democrats' initiatives to defund the police in major cities are, quote, cutting the throats of the Democratic Party. Well, they going to st- is anyone going to stand up to the squad? Because I haven't seen any signs of it. It's even so bad. New York Post had a story today. Congresswoman Tlaib, proud member of the squad, is calling for defunding of ICE immigration agencies like customs. Look, the simple and answer Patrol. answer to that question is we must eliminate funding for CPB, ICE, and their parent organization DHS. Time after time, we have seen it as advocates on the ground, as human services agency on the ground to continue to see over and over again that these agencies are inept uh, to humanely guiding migrants through our immigration system and further continue, instead they further continue to terrorize migrant communities located within our communities. Terrorize migrant communities located within our communities. Okay. That is that is now the party in charge. All branches of government. Washington Post even had to knock the White House for their claim that the GOP wants to defund the police. Even they called them out. I saw actor James Wood ripping Biden and Lightfoot saying, as long as Democrats continue to defund the police, America's streets will run with blood. I wish he was wrong. I wish I could criticize him and say he's wrong, but I can't. Because it's inevitable. A license to steal, a license to commit crimes in New York, no bail. License to steal in San Francisco. Processing illegal immigrants, ignoring the laws of the land. God forbid if your last name was Trump and you did that, or you happen to be a conservative or a Republican, there's a whole other entire unique justice system for you. Throw the book at conservatives for jaywalking. Spitting on the sidewalk. Not that I don't think anyone spits on the sidewalk. I don't I don't I haven't seen it. Chicago shooting spree ends after a man with a concealed carry license took down the attacker. Oh, that would be John Lott's book. More guns, less crime. They're going to allow more people to protect themselves. Innocent Americans that are that are helpless. Yet an activist now in AOC's district slamming the defund the police movement, citing the violent crime surge. In other words, it's not working. After July 4th weekend violence, California's officials are saying the city experiencing a safety emergency. You think? Well, you've given them a license to steal out there in Oakland and and San Francisco. 
got to be kidding me. This is this is as predictable as the day is long, just like socialism will always fail, just like border security is mandatory, just like energy independence is 101, just like, you know, strong peace through strength, tough military and engaged president matters. By the way, an Indiana police officer was killed. Did you hear about this? Do you know his name? At a federal building on the same day, two ATF agents were shot in Chicago. Does anybody listening to this program know the names of these officers? I can give them to you. You have Detective Greg uh, Ferency, 30-year veteran of the police forces, was shot outside a federal building in Indiana. Belief the officer was on assignment with an FBI task force. Look around the country. This is happening everywhere. You know, the same thing in, in pretty much. That's why we scroll the names of these officers. We're going to we're having a record this year. Times Square suspect 16 in custody after that Marine injury. It was injured in the shooting. Remember, we covered that story. And one congresswoman, a South Carolina congresswoman, stocking up on firearms and taking target practice. Her home was vandalized. Congresswoman Nancy Mace, we've interviewed her. In New York, i got to give Claudia Tenney some credit. She's pushing for the Supreme Court to overturn New York's gun laws and uh, has the support of a lot of House Republicans on that. I mean, this, this, these, are, these are two different Americas we're describing. Oh, out in California, we'll get into this more in the, in the final hour of the program today. They're offering cash, proposing cash for junkies, according to Zero Hedge. California Democrats want to pay meth addicts to seek treatment. You've seen the one-mile video we've shown from Nancy Pelosi's home in one direction, multi-million dollar neighborhood, gated, Mile on the other side is her office. In between is defecating in the streets, needles everywhere. Unbelievable. You know, we this this is all preventable. All of this is preventable. We can save this country. We know what works. Curtis Lee would implement in New York the policies of Rudy Giuliani that worked. It's not hard to do. We know how to do it. There's a way to do it. But apparently the will doesn't exist. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. It is inexplicable to me. The, the profound, obvious, clear, abusive, bias, corruption that is the media, the mob, big tech, that mob, uh, how one-sided they are, advancing only a political agenda, if your last name is Trump, you're treated one way. Your last name is Biden, you're treated another way. If you're Hunter, you can you can lie on a gun application, dump a gun in a dumpster, and nothing happens. You can you can make money from Ukraine with no experience, millions of dollars. Get money from a, a Kazakhstan uh, oligarch, no consequences. A Russian oligarch, first lady of Moscow, three and a half million to your company, no problem. Travel with daddy to China, and 10 days later you have a, a billion dollar deal with the Bank of China, not Deutsche Bank, not Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan Chase, no, it, Hunter, you know, smoke crack, prostitutes, everything in between, and nothing happens. And when I say we, we don't have equal justice under the law, when I say that we don't have equal application of our laws, this, this is what I mean. And that's a danger to all in society. 
Um, now we have learned in the last couple of weeks, thanks to the New York Post, great reporting, a lot of it by Miranda Devine, who will join us in a minute. We've learned that Joe, when he said that uh, I, I've never talked to uh, Hunter, not one time about his foreign business dealings. Well, now we have pictures of him actually having dinner while vice president with Hunter's business partners. Now we know that Hunter is whining and complaining when daddy's VP that he has to pay all of daddy's bills and everyone in the family's bills. Yes, he had other other ideas for that money. Anyway, and so I want to play Biden denying that. Now he's been revealed as a liar. Remember, Tony uh, Bobolinsky revealed that Biden knew about Hunter's business dealings. The big guy. Remember that specific quote? My interview with John Paul Mack, Isaac. That's that's the guy with the repair shop, the computer repair shop. Anyway, listen. How many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. And what I will do is the same thing we did in our administration. There will be an absolute wall between personal and private uh, and, and, and the government. Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business Yes, I stand him? by that statement. Here are the facts I know, and everything I'm saying is corroborated by emails, WhatsApp chats, agreements, documents, and other evidence. Now, is the evidence that compelling, that it was that relevant? I, I assume my interpretation is that you saw a flagrant double standard existed. Am I right in my interpretation? Well, I, what, I, what I saw was, uh, you know, uh, two, two young men that were definitely capitalizing off of uh, at least one of their father's positions to uh, drum up more value and and their efforts to to get more money and it, it was it was definitely a pay-for-play scheme that i you know, again I, I got my law degree at rodeo clown school so i'm not the brian's better at the, the legal stuff but the uh it looked like this would be something that you would want to have a conversation with to another foreign leader about because this was a lot of money that was exchanging hands like a lot of money Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist. Uh, she's got a book coming out. I'm looking forward to it. I want to find out when it's when it's when it's due to uh, come out. Uh, and that is the laptop from hell. Hunter Biden, big tech and the dirty secrets the president tried to hide. It's out, I guess, sometime in November, if I understand or sometime in the fall. Uh, Miranda, welcome back to the program. Th these are massive developments. If Donald Trump were caught lying three times about his son's business dealings, foreign business dealings, while he's dealing with countries like China, Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, I think there'd be a very different media reaction, big tech reaction. Um, and, and yet that doesn't happen because we now have caught him in a lie. Hi, Sean. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the tragedy is that We've really known that uh, Joe Biden didn't tell the truth about his knowledge of Hunter's business dealings and Jim, his brother's business business dealings, um, since before the election. I mean, Tony Bobolinsky really is a hero. He came at it great cost to himself. 
to tell the truth. And he's not a particularly partisan person, but he had been in business with Hunter Biden. He had met on two occasions with Joe Biden. Jim Biden was part of this deal that they were trying to cook up with the Chinese. And uh, Tony Bobulinski, who had you know a, a proper business reputation, was trying to do it the right way. And he was getting instruction all the time from Hunter, uh, they ended up, Jim and Hunter, ripping him off, he felt, because um, the money that was supposed to go into this joint venture never eventuated. Um, and then it, Bob Linsky realised when he saw the Johnson Grassley uh, report and their access to these Treasury um, suspicious transactions uh, that, that are, are confidential, um, that $6 million had flowed, actually, out of that Chinese company that was supposed to go into the joint venture that he'd spent all this time working on. Um, and, in fact, it went elsewhere to other companies that were associated with the Bidens. So, um, you know, that's one aspect of it, the fact that Joe Biden had met twice with Tony Bobulinski. Um, and also we have, uh, you know, photographs of five meetings that Joe Biden had with Hunter's various business partners. And we have lots of other um, instances that are recorded on the laptop of other meetings. So he was pretty well involved with what Hunter was doing. He was, at the very least, using the perks of the vice president's office, such as Air Force Two, such as breakfast at the uh, the residence for you know Mexican billionaires, um, such as meetings in the the West Wing in his office, um, he was he was using those perks of office to assist his son in his lucrative business dealings overseas. Now, so when you really break this down, as Joe Biden lied on a pretty spectacular level about not knowing anything about his son's foreign business dealings or having spoken to his son when he's meeting with, with some of these characters, some of these players. Um, then you've got Hunter complaining that he's paying all of daddy's bills. Well, where, where, does, where does that money come from? Him cashing in on, on daddy's name. Uh, if you don't have any experience in oil, energy, gas, or Ukraine, how do you get millions of dollars? You know, nobody wanted to pay attention to the real quid pro quo, which is Joe bragging on tape that he leveraged a billion U.S. taxpayer dollars to fire a prosecutor in Ukraine investigating his son. You know, the first lady of Moscow, three and a half million dollars in that deal. The Bank of China. OK, well, we, we now see the territorial ambitions unfolding of the communist Chinese, Miranda. Uh, they're now talking about reunification, their words, with Taiwan. We've seen the crackdown in Hong Kong. We also see that, you know, Vladimir Putin can pretty much, you know, the Russians can hack us here, there and everywhere and nothing ever seems to happen. The Iranian mullahs, they're getting everything they want, enriching uranium. Nothing's happening there either. The Chinese and the Russians are, are now giving arms to Iran. And, and one has to now wonder, is Joe compromised? Well, that is inevitably the question that is going to be asked. And uh, he's left himself open to that because of um, the way that he and his family have conducted themselves. And, you know, I'll just point out, you mentioned... Um, the, the money that Hunter was getting from uh, Ukraine, from Burisma, the corrupt energy company there, his his money, they were paying him about a million dollars a year. It was 83000 plus a month to sit on the board. Um, but 
uh, just a few weeks after Joe Biden stepped down as vice president, Hunter's salary from Burisma was cut in half. So that's a, that's a pretty direct um, circumstantial evidence there that what he was being paid for. But, he, but Miranda, when he went on Good Morning America, remember the questions he was asked? Do you have any experience in oil, energy, gas at all? No. Any experience with Ukraine? No. Well, why do you think you got the millions of dollars? Why, why were you picked as a consultant? Uh, I don't know. Could it happen to be the fact that your father is in charge of Ukrainian policy? Probably. I, I mean, he's, you know, can somebody get me that deal in life? I'll take that deal. You'll take that deal, right? Well, yes, and he was sort of refreshingly honest there. He said, I don't think I would have had anything without my last name being Biden. And and this is the truth. I mean, you look back at Joe Biden's career in Delaware. You look back at Hunter Biden ever since he uh, graduated from school. He has had every job, every single appointment has been care of his father. And there was a reason for that. Um, you know, Joe Biden uh, and his late son, sadly, Bo Biden, were both going to be pure and go into politics. And uh, so, you know, even though they had champagne tastes, they were going to have these just regular political salaries. And Joe Biden frequently says, I'm the poorest man in Congress, as some sort of indication of how squeaky clean he is uh, and how unsullied by money he is. And yet what he had... Uh, going on with Hunter was Hunter had to be the family breadwinner. So he was tipped into these, first of all, these jobs through uh, Joe's uh, Delaware donors, a credit card company, MBNA, uh, gave Hunter this job that was, you know, way overpaid. And out of that money, he paid off his own tuition and his brother's tuition. And uh, you've told me also his sister's tuition. Um, So, you know, that's money that Joe, the normally a parent would pay, but no, poor old Hunter, who would have rather have been an artist or a writer, he is out there as the bag man, as the breadwinner, as the cash cow for the family. And that's gone on his entire career. And then it's uh, when, when Joe became vice president, he expanded that sort of Delaware, the Delaware way, the, the influence peddling operation that he had going on on a small scale with his Delaware donors. He expanded that to the world. And Hunter followed along in, you know, on Air Force Two and to the countries that Joe had carried for as vice president, such as China, such as Russia, such as Ukraine. Um, and uh, unfortunately, that has put the America in a parlous state now that Joe is president, because at the very least, there's a perception that he's compromised. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Let's go back to yesterday and Donald Trump and his announcement that of a class action lawsuit against these big tech companies. We're asking the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida to order an immediate halt to social media companies, illegal, shameful censorship of the American people, and that's exactly what they are doing. We're demanding an end to the shadow banning, a stop to the silencing, and a stop to the blacklisting, banishing, and canceling that you know so well. 
If they can do it to me, they can do it to anyone. And in fact, that is exactly what they're doing. They're taking people off who don't even realize they were taken off. They have no idea why they were taken off. You know, so that's the president making the announcement. And so Bill O'Reilly sat down in his interview with Donald Trump talking about the lawsuit. And here's Trump's answer to Bill. So the uh, lawsuit against the social media companies is uh, unprecedented, number one, and could be a game changer for the country, number two. Are your lawyers prepared, though, for the war? Because it will be a war. You know that. Are they prepared for it? Everything's a war. With me, life is a war. And yeah, we're prepared and somebody had to do it. Uh, I made a big speech in Florida the other day. We had 48,000 people and the people are screaming, when are you going to sue social media big tech? Everybody's wanted me to do this. Uh, They're bad. They're bad people and they're doing bad things and they're really hurting our nation. They may be in the process of destroying our nation. We're not going to let that happen. Now, the question, if you listen to any of the coverage, but for shows like this, there aren't many of us in radio and a few of us in TV. There aren't many. Uh, you would think that this this lawsuit is frivolous. It is dead on arrival. Greg Jarrett, Alan Dershowitz said just the opposite last night on my TV show. This is this this is the most important First Amendment case in the 21st century. Now, a lot of it deals with something known as Section 230. We've spent a lot of time outlining what 230 is all about. If you are a if if you offer editorial your own reporting and you're not just a platform for people to place information you get liability protection that is what section 230 is all about but now we know these big tech companies facebook for example twitter for example google for example the ones being sued that in fact they do editing editorial they make decisions that has a political impact like spiking the story we were just talking to Miranda Devine and in terms of the Hunter Biden laptop story before the election. And that that has to be measured as an in-kind donation to the Democratic Party, probably so worth so much it's incalculable. Um, And now the question is, okay, I agree with Bill. All lawsuits are hard. It is it's going to be a battle. These companies are well funded. They'll pay any amount of money to keep their monopolies. And where is this headed? Now, Craig Parshall, this is what he does. This is what he studies. He is a special counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice, senior advisor on legal policy for the Civil Liberty for American Principles Project. And he is incredibly versed on all of these issues. And uh, if I listen to the liberal media, this case is frivolous. It's going to end in a failure and it's a disaster and it's going nowhere. I don't quite believe that. Your thoughts? <laughs> Sean, uh, yeah, we shouldn't believe it. Uh, here's the intriguing, really interesting thing about this Trump lawsuit. Um, and I, Number one, can you blame him? Sitting president of the United States, and he has taken off the world's largest social media platform on frivolous grounds, uh, allegations in the media, that he incited violence on January 6th, but it was that was so untrue, even Facebook didn't use that as an excuse to take him off its platform. They avoided saying that he incited violence because they knew that he didn't. 
So uh, the charade is over. We're now getting down to the fact that, as uh, Donald Trump's lawsuit says, uh, there has been a level of cooperation between big tech companies, in this case Facebook, Twitter, and Google's YouTube. All three got separately sued in three separate class action lawsuits. Uh, Unprecedented cooperation between them and the government of the United States, and particularly one political party in Congress, as well as Anthony Fauci over at the CDC. And this level of cooperation, the lawsuit says, has transformed these platforms into not just private businesses, but into state actors so that the First Amendment now applies to protect Donald Trump from them. So the question is now, and then we brought this point up many times, and again last night on TV and yesterday on radio, is it's okay that the Ayatollah, uh, uh, the Ayatollahs in Iran, that they, they get their Twitter accounts, and, and Louis Farrakhan gets to keep his Twitter accounts, and Rouhani gets to keep his Twitter accounts, but a former president is canceled, and, and the idea that they're going to determine what is legitimate content, which is abusively biased towards conservatives, and get government liability protection in the course of doing this, what is the best way, in your opinion, for this to be argued and how Congress should handle? Well, first of all, the Supreme Court has a long history on so-called viewpoint discrimination cases. And if let's assume for a minute that the level of cooperation between uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, uh, his, you know, his company and, and uh, Twitter and, and Google's uh, YouTube, with all these federal agencies, inside emails, back and forth about, we've got your back, basically, we're going to suppress stuff that doesn't tell the orthodox, uh, politically correct ideas about COVID or the election or whatever. Uh, let's assume that for a minute. Now, the Supreme Court has a long history of saying, if you treat uh, all these other groups in one way with regard to their freedom of speech, but you target a person or a movement for discrimination because of their viewpoint, that is case closed in terms of proving uh, not only unequal treatment under the Equal Protection Clause, but a violation of free speech. So that's what this lawsuit is saying. It is saying, look, you've given a pass to all of these other left-leaning uh, organizations and, and tyrants and dictators and terrorists, but now you pick up sitting president of the United States or others who support them. And by the way, Donald Trump has added private citizens uh, as plaintiffs in his lawsuit as well to tell their stories. Um, so this blanket anti-conservative uh, viewpoint discrimination is rampant. He's bringing it to the forefront. A judge is going to have to decide it. I will guarantee that whoever the U.S. district judge in the federal court who looks at this, that will not be the last word on this. This will go up to a court of appeals, possibly to the Supreme Court. Uh, It's going to be fascinating to watch. All right, Craig, any updates, please let us uh, know when you get them. Great job with the American Center for Law and Justice. Appreciate you being with us. I'll be in better shape to talk to you about it. I'll tell you what they sent me. Okay. Uh, that, uh, the idea 
First of all, we're not sure who it is for certain. All right, back to our busy telephones. Debbie is in New York. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm here. Uh, glad you called, Debbie. How are you? Misery likes company. <laughs> That's a good line. You're right. Misery uh, likes company. That's right. We can't do this alone. Um, yes, um, my message is I'm angry at the Republicans. I I'm a Republican. My sister and brother-in-law, they switched to independent after the election because of the messaging. Uh, you had Kevin McCarthy on your show the other night, and you asked him straight out about Joe Biden's mental status. Do you think there's a problem with it? And he went around the bush. He said, well, I knew him as vice president, and now he is different. Now, do you think Nancy Pelosi minced words about Trump? All they did was bash that man for four years. That's all they're doing today. You know, I, I, and I go through go. my I go through my list. I mean, you, you take any of the issues with foreign countries and money and Hunter. You take any of the issues of Hunter and drugs and prostitutes and gun applications and dumpsters and guns and and put the last name Trump and something would happen. Well, and that's how anger- corrupt now things are. Institutional corruption is everywhere. It's scary, actually. Well, the Republicans need to stop reaching across the aisle to get along. There's not going to be getting along. This is a war. I don't know why they can't identify. If you can't, you're not going to win the war and get the, the 2022 back to house if you don't identify the problem. I, th- I think that's exactly right. Look, there needs to be a message. I did ask the president at this uh, town hall that we had on immigration about you know, the, what are the things that you need to do? I, I see three specific strategies that have got to be employed. First step is election integrity reform. And those are the five things that I've mentioned. I won't repeat them. Then Republicans, you know, you've got to prosecute the case against how disastrous Joe's foreign policy is and his economic policies and his energy policies and his immigration policies. We all know that. But you still got to let people know what it was like and what he's done and how bad the damage is. And the next thing is you you got to tell people what it is you stand for. Right. And I say it often, Debbie, liberty, freedom, capitalism, our Constitution, law and order, peace and security and safety and security, uh, choice in schools, health care, uh, free market health care solutions, protecting pre-existing conditions, constitutional justices, lower taxes, less bureaucracy, secure borders, energy independence, peace through strength, trust but verify, and free and fair trade. Uh, am I missing a lot? Tell me. No. no. And what I give, I, I miss Donald Trump. Everybody misses him. And when our president Biden... You know who misses the, him the most? The liberal media. But go oh, ahead. I know. Their, their ratings are in the toilet. Um, but when he Biden went over to that um, meeting with Putin, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. That, you know, when he when he sat there and for you know ten seconds, he can't give an answer. No, I was embarrassed this weekend. He's asked a, a simple question. It's not a difficult question, and he starts answering the the question about what are you going to do about Russia's latest cyber attacks, and he goes, uh, um, that that's um. That's why I was late getting off the plane. I was being briefed on it. And, um, oh, it's and, a holiday um, weekend. I'm not in the mood to talk about that. I want no, to have a good time. Well, it's worse than that. He had to take out the notes they wrote out That's for right. him <laughs> because he didn't remember the briefing that took place five minutes ago. 
No. He, I mean, you, you, you would think you remember uh, one or two points. Not, not, not stammering, stumbling, bumbling. It, it's humiliating, I, I find it. Why isn't it. Mitch McConnell beating the drum here? Because Because everybody's Johnson, afraid. Everybody, you I know. know and why, I know. I don't know why they're afraid. Listen, we've got a problem. We've got a, a president that is clearly struggling mightily cognitively. It's a big problem. You know, uh, you know, when I hear China, I, I mean, I'm like, what is he going to do about their talk of of destroying American military bases? Reunification, they're calling it with Taiwan. We've seen the crackdown in Hong Kong. What's he going to do about Vladimir and the cyber attacks? What's he going to do about Vladimir and Xi partnering and, and giving arms to the Iranians? Um, this these are not insignificant issues. This, we, their territorial ambitions I can predict right now are going to be realized in, in by taking advantage of what they perceive as a very weak America right now. He said they're good people. They're good folks. But when he was running for election, he wouldn't. He said, well, they're, they're, we could eat China's lunch. And then yeah. he said they're good folks, everybody. So that's well, they've been good to the Biden family. I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, how would you like a one point five billion dollar deal with the Bank of China for your company? Uh, even though you had no experience, or or Ukraine, how would you like all that money flowing into your family coffers? Well, his son's—it's a, a sad story for that son. I feel—I I don't know yeah. what's going to happen with that son. It's a sad thing. Yeah, when Rudy Giuliani was on with Mike Huckabee and actually said that you know he he believes there's child pornography on that laptop. We'll see. Miranda's book, I would I, I would imagine, would reveal it. We'll see. Uh, all right, Debbie, appreciate the call. Thank you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break. Right back. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. They've been trying to play games out there with the California recall election against Gavin Newsom. And my sources on the ground are saying they're trying to time this. And and like a state like New York, they have a filibuster-proof legislature. They're trying to time the recall election so it'll be prior to what will likely be the predictable wildfires and and winds and power outages uh that california experiences uh every fall so they're trying to move the date around as a means of of benefiting gavin newsom there and then gavin newsom interestingly have a 75 billion dollar surplus out there they get another 50 billion from red states that are fiscally responsible and and Gavin is expected to give out checks to two-thirds of the population of California, including illegal immigrants, uh, just prior to the runoff election, just prior to the recall election. And it's pretty unbelievable. In San Francisco, it's so bad that they're telling criminals, we, as long as you don't steal more than $1,000, we're not going to prosecute you. And we see what's happening at these high-end stores this most recent weekend, Neiman Marcus. Um, the San Francisco mayoral candidate is saying the city is now governed by the radical left. That's to say the least. Richie uh, Greenberg, listen. 
This is a far left wing governed city. There's virtually no conservative, um, even even centrist candidates that really win, especially on the, the, the city council, our board of supervisors. This city is controlled completely by left wing ideologues. Oh, anyway, John Cox joins us now. Uh, sir, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us. Great to be with you, Sean. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm a uh, I'm an outsider businessman who's going to shake up Sacramento and get this state turned around. My biggest worry is the first question. In other words, you know, Gavin is going to have endless sums of money. Um, We know about the shenanigans going on in Sacramento to maybe give us more more context and texture and detail to what they're maneuvering as a, a fa- more favorable date for the recall vote. Yeah, they originally put in extensions of the day to protect a state senator who was getting recalled because he raised taxes. Our gas tax is now the highest in the country. Our gas prices out here, Sean, are approaching $6 a gallon in some spots. Uh, this is unprecedented. But now they're changing these recall rules because they want, you know, they think it's going to help Gavin. It's not, Sean. I'm telling you, right now we're already seeing rolling electrical blackouts like we did last summer because we've only relied solely on wind and solar. We have we decommissioned gas and nuclear, so we don't have any electricity. We, or we already are in a drought water situation because they haven't built desalination plants. And now we're having fires all across the state because Newsom won't manage the forest. And he won't put money into buying airplanes that would be able to put these fires out. Instead, he's wasting billions on this train to nowhere in the Central Valley that no one's going to ride. And I think. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to understand why aren't they following the science of forestry, which is that you you clean out the the brush, uh, and and the areas that kindle these fires to get so out of control where millions of acres are destroyed. I mean, isn't that a science of forestry? Well, listen, Sacramento is a swamp, only junior to the swamp in Washington, D.C. that uh, our former president had to wrestle with. And, And let's face it, Sean, the environmental lobby in Sacramento controls it. And Newsom is a slave to that lobby. And why? Because he's focused on running for president at some point. He knows he's not going to be able to do it if he doesn't get the environmentalists, the teachers unions, and the trial lawyers behind him. So the, the French laundry dinner he did was really instructive because he, he violated his rules, but he violated his rules to go out to dinner with lobbyists. And uh, they're the people that are controlling things. And they're the ones that prevent any kind of decent management of the forest, as well as any energy sources that would help the state. Do you believe Sacramento and that's assemblymen and senators are purposely moving the election date, the recall election date uh, to prevent the news cycle from being predictable with rolling blackouts and wildfires? Do you believe that's their strategy? Yes, because a year ago, which is, by the way, when I put 50,000 hours into the recall over a year ago, uh, before the French Laundry Dinner, the state of California was in flames, Sean. I have friends in Northern California that literally couldn't open their windows. They couldn't literally see the sun in the middle of the day because the smoke was so thick in all of Northern California. 
That was about the middle of September last year. I think they're thinking that that may well be the case again this year because they know that they haven't done anywhere near enough to do something to put out these fires or to manage the forest or, or as you say, follow the science. And so I think that's in their minds. What they're not figuring out, however, is the fact that we're already seeing fires and it's only July, and we're also seeing the drought, the, the government-made drought, as well as the government-made uh, electrical shortage. And uh, those things are, and not on, not on top of that, we've got gas prices soaring. Uh, there's a lot of things in this state, along with homelessness and housing and rising crime, that I think are going to sink Mr. Newsom's uh, governorship and, and bring in a new uh, regime here. What's the latest on the plan for Gavin Newsom that I've been reading that he's planning to send out pretty hefty checks to significant portions of the California population? I've read as high as two-thirds of the population will be getting a check. And what is the timing that those checks will arrive versus the recall election? Well, there's a check going out actually right now. Uh, I think this is the last one, as a matter of fact. So I'm not sure that there's checks that are going to go out right with the ballot. But, you know, Sean, he's running commercials all over the place talking about, you know, it's almost like a game show where he's handing out money and, you know, uh, 1,100 hours for this family and 500 hours for that family. And, you know, I think the taxpayers of this state uh, are looking at this and saying, what are you doing? You're buying votes with our money and you're handing it out to people who certainly need it because the cost of living is so bad and because Newsom crushed small businesses and restaurants and hotels with his extended shutdown in contrast to Ron DeSantis, who kept the state open in Florida. Uh, You know, people need the money, but they're looking at the situation. They're saying, well, what is $500 going to help me with if my rent has gone up $500 a month here which it really has in many parts of the state. Now, there wasn't just restaurant hypocrisy of Gavin. And then as kids, they, they had in-person yeah. learning because they don't go to California yeah. public schools. They go to private schools, and those private schools had in-person learning. Um, I sent the, our Hannity TV show cameras to California numerous times. We've been to Los Angeles. We've been to Nancy Pelosi's district in particular, one mile from where her gated home is with million-dollar home, right. multi-million-dollar homes. And, right. and then a mile in the other direction is her office. And in between you have, uh, in San Francisco, areas where all you see are people defecating on the streets, syringes Absolutely. everywhere, uh, drug yep. abuse wide out in the, in the open, drug dealing wide out in the open. I mean, it, it is unconscionable. You know, I've, I've often wondered why Nancy hasn't knocked on the door of our very wealthy neighbors and said, well, we're going to contribute a million dollars. We're going to build a facility, uh, one that will provide showers and a, and a meal and maybe drug counseling for people that are so inclined. Um, but rather that they, they don't even have a bathroom to go to and they're just defecating on the streets. And this this is every day now. And it's gotten worse, Sean, in the in the last couple of years, not better. And, of course, don't forget, Gavin Newsom was the guy who initiated this as the mayor of San Francisco and didn't do anything about it there. Uh, I just released my homelessness plan, which really, Sean, it's about common sense. You've got to treat the addictions and the mental illness. 
most of these people are mentally ill. Most of them do have addictions, and they think it's fine to live on the street. But that's, that's part of the mental illness. We've got to get people the treatment. Politicians like Newsom just buy hotel rooms. He's paying $5,000 a month for hotel rooms or actually buying motels at double or triple what they're worth. It's just a horrible waste of dollars, but importantly, it doesn't do the job because just because you put somebody in a hotel room with beer and cigarettes doesn't mean that they're going to actually get cured. You've got to get the cure going and get them job training and get them back into productive society. That's the compassionate thing to do, Sean. Yeah, well, you would think it would be the compassionate thing. More with California gubernatorial candidate John Cox. Let me ask you, there's been a mass exodus out of California. For the first time in California's history, this last year, you had more people leaving the state than coming to the state, the Sunshine State. I lived there at 1.5 years, just as a side note, in the in the mid-80s, and they were talking about desalinization plants then, and they never built them. Yeah. Because um, the no. same problems existed in the 80s. That's, by the way, there's my radio career, 33 years, that's where it started. <laughs> But long story, but long story short, a lot of people have left the state and the people that seem to be leaving the state are people that realize they're tired of the high taxes. You have the highest state income tax in the country, burdensome regulation, draconian shutdowns, and they're moving to states like Arizona, Nevada, Texas to take a U-Haul out of California to Texas is about two thousand twenty five hundred bucks, depending on the size. Right. Uh, If you take it from from Texas back to California, you can get it almost for free. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, like 300, 400 bucks. You're doing yeah. U-Haul yeah. a favor, bringing it back. I agree. What does that tell you? I, I mean, so, so now the question is of too many conservatives or people that would be willing to change the state of California. You, it once was a red state. Ronald Reagan was your governor. Richard Nixon was your governor. I know it's not anymore. Well, I'm, I think this recall is a great opportunity. The pandemic really opened people's eyes out here to the mismanagement because then it hit home. Their kids weren't in school, Sean. I have two nephews in, in Orlando who were in school the whole time in front of a teacher, and uh, parents here had their kids out for 15 months, and they're not even sure they're going to go back this September. Uh, small businesses were crushed. Churches were shut down. Uh, the the evangelical community, the religious community out in California, which is pretty large, believe it or not, uh, is outraged, and they're finally ready to take some action here because they saw that churches were shut down while strip clubs and pot shops stayed open. Uh, the the pandemic. Well, why would you ever call? Why would you? Why would you not? Why would you ever shut down a strip club and and close a church? I'm trying to under, wrap my arms around that. <laughs> You know, where your priorities are. Pot shops are a priority, and strip clubs are a priority for Gavin Newsom. Those yeah, the, aren't they going to spend $100 million to bail out the marijuana business out there, recreational use marijuana? Well, the problem is is that Newsom led the charge to legalize it, and they were going to use it as a tax revenue raiser. And, of course, they taxed it so much that the black market is flourishing. It's it's. It's uh, you're, you're right. The legal industry is floundering because the, they taxed it way too much. And, you know, why did they tax everything out here, Sean? Because they, they have got these huge pension uh, liabilities, along with uh, just the public unions that are controlling Sacramento. 
and are continuing to get pay raises. And why are they getting pay raises? Because the cost of housing is so significant, Sean, out here. Uh, out here, the cost of a typical, you know, 3,000 square foot home could be uh, a, a million, you know, a million and a half dollars. That's insane. At, at base level. It's, it's By the way, it's just as bad and, in New York. It's insane. I, I got to run, but there are, are a lot of good candidates, uh, as I mentioned at the start of this half hour, that are running. Um, right. I, I hope the people of California, and I, I have my doubts. It's sort of like I want Curtis Leo to win in New York as mayor, but, you know, when you have nine to one registration, Democrats to Republicans, it's tough. California is tough for any any Republican or even independent, for crying out loud. But I hope people see just how damaging these policies have been and, and that they'll go out and vote. But, uh, John Cox, thanks for being well, with us. Well, I hope to be on again. And we've got 9 million independents. As you know, I'm a businessman uh, like the former president. He endorsed me in 2018 when I ran. Uh, I got a lot of votes, and I built up name recognition. And I've had a business for 40 years that I've Oh, I don't think there's any doubt you and Caitlyn Jenner, and if Larry got in, you would be the, the three top candidates. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your help, and uh, we're going to turn this state around, and we need an outsider. We need a business guy. Appreciate you being with us, John. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Quick break. Right back. All right, 25 down to the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. I meant to bring this up earlier today. I didn't. I saw that somebody sent this to James, and James sent to me a tweet by, I guess, the Virginia Virginia Department of Health. Many are experiencing significant anxiety as the world slowly reopens. Join VA Copes, Virginia Copes, uh, for a free virtual event. They give you the time. Coping with re-entry anxiety. Look, I, I don't want to minimize any... Any look, there are all sorts of illnesses, sicknesses, neuroses that people have in life. I don't want to I don't want to minimize it because, um, you know, people that have cancer, they're sick. If you have some type of of psychological issue, it's it's usually means you're sick. I, I get that part. And I want to take it very seriously. And I do take it very seriously. I'm I you know. I'm just trying to put in perspective, though, and maybe it's the way I was raised, coping with re-entry anxiety. I'm I'm struggling with it a little bit because, you know, I think of America and Americans, and I think of real stress, like my dad had to feel, you know, four years in the Pacific fighting in World War II, or the real stress that a soldier felt, you know, slamming the beaches of Normandy, or what our soldiers felt in Iraq and Afghanistan and and the many, many tours that they took and and the real stress of the real world every single day. And I'm, I'm not minimizing it. I'm just saying land of the free, home of the brave. And I, I just, I don't see America or I don't really know many people that are struggling with re-entry anxiety. And I asked my team about it. I mean, do you see this as a phenomenon? Linda, the response was, I don't think anybody is knows anyone else. Every, everybody that I know is like, ah, oh, finally, life is getting back to normal. That's what I'm seeing. Uh, I've been out in New York, and uh, I don't see any problem with people going out. People are right. They're out and about. It's all hell to get out. 
And the last time I was in New York, which was fairly recently, there's a lot of people wearing masks still. And I'm fine with that. If you want to wear your mask, wear it every day of your life. I don't really care. But I mean, vaccine hesitancy, you know, this is I think a lot of it's created by the government and their mixed messages. You know, Biden's health and human services secretary insisting the government has a right to know who refuses to get vaccinated. Now they're putting pressure. Now we're going to go door to door and vaccinate people. I, I, everybody's kind of made up their mind already. And and again, I, I'm urging people, take this seriously. Take it seriously. I'm urging people, do your research. There's a, a wealth of information out there. <clears throat> know the difference between uh, the mRNA vaccines of Pfizer, Moderna versus, say, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is the more traditional way of producing a vaccine. And, and know the differences of it. And, you know, when Joe Biden goes out there and he's fully vaccinated, et cetera. So I, I, I'm watching this. And again, I don't want to. And I'm talking about the United States here. Uh, to me, it's sad that Olympic organizers now are banning all spectators from the Summer Olympic Games. Japan now declaring a state of emergency. Now, America is doing and I said this from the very beginning. In January or February, January of 2020, I said, I believe that modern medicine, medical researchers, our scientists will likely be the ones that save the world. Okay, well, they they now have given people choices. We have therapeutics we've never had before. Turns out many studies now show taken early hydroxychloroquine is effective at mitigating some of the symptoms of of covid. Then you hear of medicines and therapeutics like ivermectin. Then, of course, there's Regeneron, the monoclonal uh, antibodies that they infuse into people that have shown incredible recoveries in people. Then you got John Kerry caught maskless again, no mask a second time this year. More mixed messaging from them. Now, Joe Biden walks outside fully vaccinated, socially distant with a mask on. That makes no sense to me. Does a Zoom call, the only world leader with a mask on. Makes no sense to me. Vaccine hesitancy comes from moments like that. The White House, Biden would certainly support states reimposing COVID-19 restrictions. But what are you talking about? Everybody knows what's what the options available. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program. But it's and then they, but then they blame conservatives. I'm I'm clear. Do your research. Take it seriously. Talk to your doctor or doctors. I know nothing about your medical history. I am not equipped to tell people what to do, and I won't do it. Uh, All right, let's go to Travis is in Arkansas. Travis, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm calling a couple days ago. Biden administration. They were. Uh, praising the 800 and something thousand job creation. My question is this. How many jobs were actually created versus how many jobs are actually recovered? Because during the pandemic, we lost like 20.6 uh, million. million. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Now, right now, and this, I reported this earlier today. U.S. job openings hit a record 9.2 million. Businesses cannot find 
enough workers to fill them. This is a, you know, job opening stated a record high, 9.2 million. A third of former hospitality workers are not going to return to the industry during the labor shortage because they, they want higher pay, better benefits, and a new work environment. Many people don't want to come back. You know, look at everything we're now paying more for. One, because of energy prices soaring, thanks to Biden's stupid plans on energy and the new Green Deal. You know, up a buck and a quarter on average a gallon. Uh, more to heat and cool our homes. Every product we buy is costing more. And then you, then there's a shortage of so much. Lumber is through the roof. Meat is through the roof. You know, I joke about going grocery shopping, and I like my Oscar Mayer thick-cut bacon. I'm paying 8 bucks a pack for it now. It's a pretty hefty price. If you want yeah, patio yeah. furniture, you can't find it. You want to make money? I'll tell you what. Sell your patio furniture and then buy it in the next year or two. Buy it back because you'll make a profit on it. Um but this is this is real. Then you've got a part of the country that believes in socialism, especially young people have bought into the, the, the lie that the government will take care of them. You know, I'm a young person myself. I'm, I'm 20, 27, be 28 in three months. And I, I disagree with the whole socialism agenda. I mean, that is complete crap. Um, the... It, it, to me, it seems like the Biden administration is trying to discredit our police force so that they might be able to initiate martial law. That way they can just rule forever. You know, I I look at, all, you know, look at HRSR1 now that they have to back off of that. Look at the Democrats, you know, actually the ones that didn't recognize riots for being riots that only want to talk about January 6th, which I said can never happen again. And and but they ignored and they even aided and abetted and, and promoted bail funds for people involved in writing and, and people responsible for hurling bricks and, and bottles and rocks and Molotov cocktails at, at cops. And they denied they never mentioned it at the Democratic National Convention. They didn't want to alienate what they thought was the base of their party. I mean, now they're going to say, well, Republicans are defunding. No, even the Washington Post says that is a huge lie. It's not true. And it is, uh, you know, we're in the middle of, and I don't know how this plays out, what I'm calling irreconcilable differences. I don't know where, I don't see any middle ground. Fund the police or defund the police? Law and order or anarchy? You know, how, how, how do you compromise on that? Secure the border, open borders, amnesty, energy independence or new green deal and full dependence on on countries that hate our guts. You know, how do you reconcile lower taxes versus total, complete redistribution and the government provides everything? And that's why 2022 is becoming more pivotal and more important every day. Anyway, I hope that answers your call. Thank you, James, North Carolina. Next, Sean Hannity show. How are you, James? How you doing, Sean? Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, sir. I just, uh, you touched on the audience yesterday, how you think even if, you know, it was proved to be true that Trump won, say, Arizona, that nothing would come of it. And I think that's probably the biggest mistake we'd ever do is to let nothing come out of it. Because I think the word that, that really we need to, to take into mind here is accountability. Because if we let this go, then... The will of the people, which is the foundation of the country, has been shattered. 
And the establishment literally stole the government right in front of our eyes, which is something a foreign power could only dream of. And again, you know, pe- people want to trick every Republican into any interview in, in the mainstream media mob into, well, do you think the election was rigged? The, the answer is simple. Is the laws of many states were not followed. Constitution, mm-hmm. the Constitution in states were not followed. Um, you had a two-tier voting standard in Georgia a very lax standard for mail-in ballots and a very rigorous standard for in-person voting. You can't have that in an election. You had in Pennsylvania, you have a a constitution and the state legislature, rather than go through the arduous process of amending the constitution, which they would have the right to do, they decided to just ignore it and circumvent it and circumvent its very clear language that they only allow very specific and very limited mail-in balloting that happened too we read the 4-3 decision it was a a a stinging dissent by the chief justice in wisconsin uh, about how the laws of wisconsin were not followed most of the states that we're talking about have laws statutory language that allows partisan observers to watch the vote count from start to finish we're now learning that in georgia there are counties that that never accounted for the chain of custody as the law requires. So, you know, if we want integrity in elections and confidence in election results, you've got to at least implement the things that I've been talking about. I'll give you the last word. Yeah, and I, I understand that. And I listen to your show all the time. But my thing is, I mean, you could put those, those safeguards in place all day. But if you never hold anybody accountable for the previous wrongs, they're just going to do it again. It's just like in, you always talk about in New York, you get arrested, you go to jail, you get put back. Well, if I'm the establishment and I can cheat and get away with it, well, I'm going to do it again. I mean, we, we have well, to well, well, what do you think the criminals out in San Francisco that are not going to, they're, they're told they're not going to be arrested if, as long as they don't steal more than $1,000 and they're just stealing 900 bucks worth of stuff and walking out of well, stores? Yeah. I mean, that's my point. I mean, and that's a petty criminal. If you look at somebody with powerful connections, they get to get away with it all the time. I mean, I mean it's banana republic stuff, and we we got to we got to stand strong and hold people accountable. Well, I've I've been telling everybody: talk to your state legislature, state senate, get the laws, get the integrity measures I talk about. We have forty five seconds left. We're giving it to Michael in New York. Michael, you got to talk fast. Hey, Sean, thanks for taking me. Uh, I really loved your segment with Curtis yesterday, and. and living in Manhattan now for 18 years, paying the type of taxes and watching my city crumble. We need someone like Curtis in leadership to take us back to the Giuliani days where we felt safe to walk our streets and walk around and be able to go freely and not have to worry about mental health issues, as you discussed, and about homelessness, especially in front of our small businesses that are dying out daily. And um, just something I wanted to say, I also really loved your town hall with President Trump last week. Thank you for doing that. And uh, thanks for taking me, and uh, I'll let you have the final word. All right, Michael, appreciate the call. Yeah, I mean, the only question I have is, and and the law and order got Giuliani elected. Curtis is running as an independent. He's also on the Republican line, too. And if those policies are re-implemented, guess what? New York will come back bigger and better than ever. If they're not, it's going to deteriorate daily. I, and we see it. 
every day. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. But Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on Fox. Uh, there is a group running a campaign, multi-million dollar ad campaign against woke corporations. We'll find out what that's all about. Also, Mark Meadows, Steve Miller, uh, Greg Jarrett tonight, 9 Eastern, set your DVR, Hannity, Fox News. We'll see you tonight, back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. And yes, we never forget the show is made possible by all of you. We can't thank you enough. See you tonight.